Conversations with Love with Eric Sean. Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Love, where we interview real live people. They share their experience of how they've overcome adversities and how they use those experiences to spread love. Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Love. Today, we have an amazing young lady who's going to share with us. Her name is Tracy P., beautiful soul, one of the universe's amazing love angels. But before we get started, what I'd like to do is to start off with a prayer. God, thank you for giving us your grace. Thank you, God. Thank you for all the amazing work that you have done with Tracy. Thank you, God. Allowing her to be a demonstration of your amazingness. Thank you, God. Giving her unique experiences and allowing her to overcome those experiences and to be willing to use those experiences to share love and to empower and to help heal and to be a vessel of you. Thank you. God, please continue to show us where to go, what to do, what to say, and to who. As we talk today, please allow us just to be open, to allow our body to be ours and the words to be yours. Amen. 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 So Tracy, Tracy, Tracy. I'm going to read from my notes, Tracy's bio. Mr. Brown, when he calls me, he says, you remember the name game song? <laughs> Tracy, Tracy, Bobacy, Banana, Fanta, <laughs> Facey, Tracy. Every time he calls my name, I love it. <laughs> so Tracy is the first girl, first granddaughter, niece in her family. Family's very important to you. Very. A matriarch in training. I am. She is dependable, reliant, reliable, loving, determined, persistent, brave, driven. She's a high achiever and she bets on herself. She's recently retired. She's passionate about helping people to change the trajectory of their lives and live an awesome life of their choice. I help people in and out of the rooms my family, church family, and anyone I come in contact with. I will do my best in whatever way I can. She has a multi-level marketing business that she's building and she's helping her team to build. And as I said, she is one of the universe's love angels. So Tracy, I want you just to tell me a little bit about who you are, your story. Who I am, my story. I am from a little old town called Dayton, Ohio. Ohio. First girl, first granddaughter, first niece, you know, and uh, we lived in the township, Jefferson Township. That was the, like on the outskirts of Dayton. Okay. And uh, my parents got married very young. They got married at 17 and 18. What do you know at 17 and 18? <laughs> right. I know now we don't know anything. And they had five children, right? We are nine months apart, born January, February, March, and then August. Okay. Mm. Yeah. And come from a home, my father was not emotionally available at all, Eric. That generation of men, they provided. They put a, you know, they made sure you had a roof over your head and some clothes. And that was the extent of fatherhood. And I yearned for attention from my father. I yearned for it, you know. A little girl's first love is supposed to be her daddy. 
unfortunately mine never was because he was also very stern and mean. And when he came home, you could hear a pin drop and it was five kids and a dog. So it was kind of rough. And so I found myself wanting attention from other men. And from a young age, I was molested and violated from men, family members and neighbors. And I didn't know who I was, you know, looking for love in all the wrong places. And then I got introduced to drugs and alcohol as a young teenager. I remember I wanted to be an airline stewardess. I had applied for the position, you know, and I didn't see any that looked like me ever. And so I filled out the application and we had an appointment at my house. And all I needed, all I needed was both parents' signatures. And my father refused to sign. And the reason he didn't sign is because the day before, I don't know if it was a girlfriend of mine or a relative gave me a pill to get high. You know, we was just kicking in. I wanted to get high, too. But it did something to me. And so my parents found out about it. And it was the day before the meeting. And when the lady came to our house, my father refused to sign. And that really shut me down. And and I didn't even know this till later, how it had affected me and my beliefs about what I could do. You know, oftentimes we want our parents and the people closest to us to support us no matter what we do. But sometimes they are our dream stealers and killers. And that dream died that day. And from then on, I stopped dreaming. I stopped dreaming. I did. And I found myself involved with all the wrong people in the wrong places, people who didn't have my best interests at heart. You know, it's really important to get to know yourself. I didn't know who I was. I did not know who I was. And it took me some years to finally figure it out and surrender to the fact that I can't use drugs and alcohol. Because when I use drugs and alcohol, I always lose. Always lose. Do you think that you were in full flight from reality and from yourself? Absolutely, I was. I remember when I was younger, Black Power was born. And say it loud, I'm Black and I'm proud. And I never felt Black enough. You know, I never felt like I fit in anywhere. And I found myself hanging out with people that were older than me trying to do what they did and just never knowing who I actually was and not getting the support. My mother was very loving and caring, but it's always the parent that you don't get it from, the one that you're seeking it from. That's always the case, always the case. And I never, ever got it from him, never. You know, one of the common things that I think that we share in common, and there's probably a lot of them, is just not feeling comfortable in your own skin. You know, it's a spiritual vacancy, not knowing who you are and just running to try to find something. And then you turn into a chameleon and you fit in and get a little bit farther away from yourself. Absolutely. And, you know, I remember as a child being told that God was up in the sky, keeping track of everything I did. And the first thing you do, you go into hell. And so the first time I missed the mark, uh, I did something bad. 
I figured I was doomed, so I might as well go out, you know, as bad as I could, because I'm already going to hell, right? So I'm like, you're doomed. But what I learned later is that God lives in me, that God lives in me, and that I create my own conditions in life by the words that I speak. Now, I wasn't taught any of this as a little girl. You create your own conditions by the words that you speak about your life. Life and death is in your words, Tracy. Didn't learn, didn't know those things, didn't know anything about those things. All I knew was you had to be good or you was going to hell. So how do we go from the Tracy who survived being molested to not knowing who she is to getting involved in drugs and alcohol. And how long were you an addict for? Were you an active addict? I was an active addict for 25 years. An active? Active addict for 25 years. To the Tracy that exists now, what happened? What was the wake-up call? You know, the wake-up call was my mother making her transition. My mother passed away, and I was devastated. I felt like the rope was broke and nobody was going to love me like she did. Mm -hmm. And I actually had my job relocate me down south to Atlanta, Georgia, to go down there to do whatever I wanted to, to whoever I wanted to, whenever I wanted to. Just I really wanted to commit suicide. I remember entertaining the thought about driving my I had an El Camino. My father gave me his El Camino. A car and I was gonna drive it off the Chattahoochee River and I couldn't even swim. I said, Well, you can't swim, but it wasn't even deep enough for me to drown, you know. I was like really feeling like I didn't want to be here after my mom died. And I thought about cutting my wrist, but I was too vain for that. I said, Oh, that's not gonna be attractive at all. So you can't do that. <laughs> and so I uh, I remember drinking when I was 14 years old. And I remember people saying, if you drink and drive, you get a DWI. But I had been drinking and driving for a long time and never got one. Well, I'm here to tell you, if you drink and drive, you will get a DWI eventually. Well, I eventually got it. I eventually got it. And I went before the judge and I told the judge that I had lost my mother and I was there in Atlanta by myself. And all this was true and how devastated I was. And so he put me on probation. But when I walked out of that courtroom, I had already made up in my mind that I wasn't going to do anything that he said do. And so I kept doing what I wanted to do and got stopped again. And I used to say God stopped on a humble, but what I know is God stopped me one more time. One more time, he stopped me, went back in front of that judge. And before I could say anything, he said, young lady, before you even get started, you already told me your mama died. I said, oh, my God, it's over. And it was. He put me in. He gave me a year in a correctional institution. And I was the first woman in my family to go to jail. And I was devastated. So I was devastated when my mother died. And I was devastated when I went to jail. And my family, my grandmother now must have thought that I was at camp because they would send a care package to me. And it had a coffee mug 
It had all the things that you can't have in jail. <laughs> it had the paraphernalia, the candy and everything. And so the only way I could get the candy and stuff if I shared it with everybody else and I was willing to share it so we could eat it. It was funny. I still have that mug to this day that my grandma sent me. Bless her heart. That was one person who always, always believed in me. She always believed that I would turn my life around. And so once I, I had went to jail, and I did four months on that. And I came to Baltimore and I became homeless and helpless. I got to Baltimore May the 24th and I surrendered June the 18th. And from the 24th through the 18th, I was homeless and helpless and had very little hope. But I met a guy one Sunday. I was sitting on a bench with a box and a bag. While I was in jail, I lost all of my possessions, my Everything, I got evicted. They put all of my mementos from my childhood. Everything was gone. You know, they tell us that we had to have many bottoms, and I had a few of them. And so I uh, got here, and I met this guy, and I told him my story. And he said, well, you can move in with me, and you can sleep on the couch. And I was like, okay. And he lived in the projects. I didn't even know what the projects were. I didn't have any idea but I kept drinking. And then on the elevator, there was this sign that said, when you sick and tired of being sick and tired. And Eric, I was sick and tired of being sick and tired of being sick and tired of myself. One day I was struggling to try to get write the number down because I was under the influence. And the number that was on that flyer, the guy, his name was Al, that I lived with, they were both coming out of the elevator as God would have it. And they saw what shape I was in and that I asked for some help. And they took me to an inpatient treatment center. Mm. I didn't get a bed right away because there was a waiting list. I had to show up every morning and wait. And I did that for a couple of days. And then as God would have it, I finally got a bed. I went into that treatment center. And let me say, this was my sixth treatment center took me six times to surrender. I remember the first time when I went in, I was relieved when the doctor said you have a disease because I just thought I was crazy. But then I also used it as an excuse to keep going. Well, so, you know, you can't be cured. So you just going to drink a drug. But finally, I surrendered. I surrendered. I understood that of myself, I couldn't do it that I needed to admit and surrender and accept the fact that I had a problem. That's when my life turned around. And, and how long ago was that? 28 years. It will be 29 years this June. Absolutely amazing. Amazing to me, too. I'm like, oh, my God. Only through God's grace and mercy. Have I been able to turn my life around from being homeless and helpless to being a homeowner? I just recently retired. I'm renting my house out. My whole life has changed through God's grace and mercy. I know a lot of people that didn't get that opportunity. Everybody doesn't get to recover. My sponsor, my mentor would always say, if everybody got to recover, it wouldn't be so amazing. It wouldn't be a miracle. Absolutely. Because the right circumstances have to be present at exactly the right moment. I had never heard it like that before. And I've been here a while. That, I like that. It's truly a miracle. 
That's absolutely true. Because I know a whole lot of people that had the same opportunity that I had that's been in treatment the whole nine yards that never, ever got clean. And it took you six times, but it happened exactly when it was supposed to. It did. It took me six times. I didn't believe it. And one time, look, one time I decided, well, I'll just smoke reefer and drink (laughs) (laughs) Kool-Aid. And when I smoked that joint, right, and I wanted a beer, the Kool-Aid just didn't get it. So I was back out there again. I sure did. I did it all. I did everything the book talks about. I did geographical cures because I lived in Atlanta. I lived in Cincinnati. I lived in D.C. And now I'm in Baltimore and I'm from Ohio. I did geographical cures. I did it all. You took yourself right along with you. And I didn't know everywhere I went, I went. I just, you know, (laughs) I'm just relocating, you know, and I always told myself, well, it's just you. You single. You can, you know, you just moving. The book says uh, alcohol beat us into a state of reasonableness. <laughs> yes. It was a tedious process. Yes. Yes. I attend both fellowships, Alcoholics Anonymous. I started there and then I went to Narcotics Anonymous. Okay. So you had shared something with me about your 10th year anniversary that was important. Oh, yes. That 10th year, that double digit. That's what we called it. And my partner at the time flew in my father, my oldest brother came, my other brother already lived here, my sister, my nieces, my nephews had this huge celebration. It was a whole weekend and my dad came and I was able to share my story in that meeting. And for the first time, my father and my brothers heard my story because they didn't know. And that was a really wonderful weekend. It really was. And from that point on, I made a decision after doing the work to have a relationship with my father. Because it's the only father that I ever had. So I made a conscious decision to call him almost every Sunday to just check in, you know, to have a relationship with him. Because that part was missing in my life. That part was missing. So slowly but surely, you started to face all your ghosts. Face all my ghosts, yes. And, you know, I think that we always have a choice when life hands us a bad hand, and I'm going way back to the molestation. Situations like that, when we go through those situations, we have a choice of holding all of that inside, letting it eat us alive, letting us hate. And I'm always impressed, and that's why I say you're one of the universe's love angels, because You did the work, and now you use your story and your experience to help other people. Thank you. And I have to tell you, I used behind it for a long time. But once I got clean and I was able to, I even went into therapy behind it because I thought it was my fault. But when I learned that it wasn't my fault, that these were some sick men, that nine times out of 10, it happened to them. Because most people who do that, it happened to them, which doesn't excuse it at all. But that's usually the way it worked. And that I wasn't alone, that it happens to more people than I had any idea. And it happens to men. I didn't even know that until I got into this group. And it was a guy in there that shared his story. And I was like, wow, I only thought it happened to A, me, and then B, girls. But it does. And so I was able to forgive them. And I did that for me. 
because I needed to get the healing that I needed. And I couldn't do it by holding on to that anger and resentment. I remember in AA early on, older members said a resentment is like tinkling on yourself. Only person feel it is you. <laughs> I was like, okay, okay. So tell me a little bit about what you do today and how you allow your experiences to empower other people. Okay. I recently retired. I retired March the 31st. God is good. Back then, I didn't even know or think about retirement, but I was able to retire and be fully self-supporting through my own contributions was very important to me because when you're in that lifestyle, that's not the case. But I have to say, April the 1st, my father passed away the day after I retired, and he was 85 years young, and I pray that he's resting in heaven now. And it happened right when COVID hit. So, you know, March the 31st, I didn't have a retirement party or anything, you know, and um, we hadn't really had a service for him. He was already cremated and interned. And so we are in the process of having a service to have some closure. So that's coming up. We're going to do it April the 1st. And so I've been real grateful since my retirement, I joined Les Brown's Power Voice course, and I'm learning how to tell my story. I also joined another course, Thinking Into Results, which teaches you how to shift the paradigms, all that old information that we were brought up with, that we were taught, those old beliefs, how to shift those and to create the kind of life that you want and dream about. And that keeps me busy. But I also have a network marketing business that I'm building. And I have a team that I work with on a daily basis that I'm helping them to build. What my goal is to help hundreds of people to change the trajectory of their lives, to create the kind of life that they choose to live in today, to be happy, joyous, and free, and financially free, to live however they want to, and to make some people's dreams come true. Uh, The company that I work with we have our own foundation. And so every time I get a new customer or anybody gets a new customer, we feed children all around the world. And so far we fed 1,600,000, I believe, children thus far all around the world. And so our goal is to really cure this hunger thing all around the world. And I'm really uh, grateful to be a part of that experience. Yeah. Yeah. I sit and I listen to you and and, uh, it chokes me up because if you pay attention to what all you've said today, the molested young girl from Dayton, Ohio, who was homeless and an addict for 25 years is part of something that feeds children. Yes. Want to help people change the trajectory of their life. Yes. A little homeless girl is doing all of this. Wow. Wow. (laughs) You are a miracle. (laughs) That's for sure. That is for sure. Of myself, I can do nothing. Of myself, I haven't done anything. But I'll tell you, you know, God has totally turned my life around. And I'm eternally grateful. Eternally grateful. Only through God's grace. My mother was a firm believer. She sang in the choir. I mean, she sang in the choir, Eric. She could sing. (laughs) I didn't get that gift from her. 
she tried me out at the piano when I was real little and she was like, baby, God didn't bless you with that one. I was like, okay. <laughs> but she introduced me to the God of her understanding. And through the program and the process of the work that I've done, I have a God of my own understanding that I know will grant me anything that my heart desires. All of us, all of us. So you're discovering who you are now. I am. I am. And I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it. And I'm excited for you. You know, the whole transition that has occurred, you did do something. You were willing. You were willing and you showed up. And the thing that I know is, is that with your heart, with your spirit, if you continue to show up, you will change the trajectory of people's lives in multitudes, way beyond your wildest imagination, because you have a voice, you have a story, you are a survivor, and you have love in you. I do. And one of the whole reasons that I want to do this conversations with love is because a lot of times we believe and we're convinced that the world is a hateful place. It's not. It's not. It's people that hate, they do it with so much conviction and passion, and they're committed to it. But there's angels like you that are doing it very quietly. <laughs> you, you will help shape the lives of thousands of people. I thank you so much for saying that. I appreciate that. You're right. You know, there is a lot of love out here. You know, I have really experienced it in the Power Voice community, in the Thinking Into Results community, like-minded people who want the same things and want for you whatever it is that your heart desires. I love it. And prior to getting in these two arenas, I knew that it existed, but I had very few in my experience. You know, I really had. Because in Narcotics Anonymous and Alcoholics Anonymous, that's a different arena as opposed to these other two arenas that I'm talking about. That's totally different. And so it's just been a wonderful experience meeting these people and watching and seeing how so many people's dreams and seagulls are coming true and how my dreams are coming true. And it's just amazing to witness it is and how we are helping each other. We are, and we're all God's little angels in that group. You are too. You know, you shared a little bit of your story with me. You too are a miracle. Yes, sir. And you're doing some wonderful things. I'm very proud of you. I like this conversations with love because that's what it's all about. That's, that's all we need, isn't it? That's it. That's all we need is love. And guess what? That really is all that we are all asking for. Do you see me? Do you hear me? Yeah. And do you love me? And we get so busy in our lives sometimes that we don't listen to each other. Yeah. We don't let each other know that we love them. And sometimes even when it becomes too late. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, that's what we're here for. I believe that we're here to be an open vessel of love, to be able to give love and receive love. And sometimes we get so caught up into ourselves that God has to shake us and sit us down and say, hey, remember what you're here for. Absolutely. Because I remember I didn't know what it looks like. And I have to be honest with you, what I thought love looks like, that has changed for me over the years. And so I'm not exactly sure what it is, what it looks like. But I know that what I want in a partner 
And so I know that the universe and God is working that all out. Yeah. Yeah. It's getting you ready to accept what you want. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because for a long time, my heart was closed and hurt. And it's open now. It's really opening. And it's opening more and more as I talk. You know, that's really what's happening. It's like, the more you talk about where you came from and where you are today, the more open I become. I'm realizing that. Because that's what connects you to the world. Yes. See, a lot of times I think we think that the experiences that we go through are about us. And I don't believe that they are. I believe God gets us through those situations so that we can, again, become connected with the world. Now we have our own unique experience to share. Now we have a way and a reason and a purpose to connect with people. Because when you hold on to it, there's judgment. Right. Self-blame. Yes. There's a lot of negative thoughts that's connected to it. But when you become transparent and you share it, now, now you're helping people. So that judgment becomes love. And love heals everything. Heals everything. Yes. I have to be honest with you. This is the first one that I've done. And I've been in this process a while because I had been fearful of all of that. And so I just made a conscious decision today to do this with you in love. And I'm excited about it. (laughs) I'm excited about it. It's like, okay, okay. Very freeing, isn't it? It is. It really is. And I am so honored that for whatever reason, you trusted this format enough to do it. I believe, honestly, is because we are kindred spirits. And we had a lot of the same experiences. And so when you were so transparent with me, I was like, okay, see, you're not the only one. And it's okay. My sponsor used to say, and he's a Buddhist sensei. Oh, okay. I used to chant. Yeah. He used to always say that we're swimming in water up to our chin, dying of thirst. Wow. Meaning that we become so convinced that we're the only one suffering. I get it. And everybody's suffering. And there's help all around us. But because we believe we're the only one, we drown. Wow. We stay thirsty. That's deep. Yeah. That's deep. I hear that. I receive that. Yes, I receive that. Yes. And that is so true. That is so true. In closing, what message do you want to leave people with? In closing, that you really need to get to know yourself that you need to take total responsibility for your own self. And no matter what you've been through in this life, you're still here and you have a chance again. Les Brown would say that. You're still here, Tracy, you got another chance. What are you doing with your chances? And so you have to be totally committed to your own self growth. You have to be committed to reinvent yourself. You have to be committed to take responsibility for your own self. You have to know that your words, your thoughts create the conditions in your life. You have to be mindful of what you're saying to yourself about yourself always because you are creating your own experience. And it's like, what are you creating? And if I say it about you, I'm saying it about me. So I really got to be careful that life is good. Life can be whatever we want it to be. We are the master creators of our own selves, our own little world. 
And you can have whatever your heart's desire as long as you're willing to do the work. And you need to be coachable and teachable and have accountability partners so that you can get positive feedback and input from people who've done the thing that you want to do. Of myself, I can't do anything. I need a whole village still to help me. And I want to be a part of other people's villages. Beautiful. Beautiful. This has been very rewarding for me. It's been a great conversation. I love talking to people who love people, who love. And um, I can't say it enough, Tracy, that I really believe that you have a powerful voice and your voice will touch thousands of people. And I thank you for making the decision to invest in yourself, showing up, being willing, because I got to meet you. Thank you so much. A blessing. For letting me be your first. Wasn't I your first? Thank you so much. I appreciate you. And you, my brother, are just a wonderful, wonderful spirit. So full of love. This for a man, let me just say, to be doing a podcast on conversations with love speaks volumes. Because the men that I grew up with and I knew they weren't able to be vulnerable enough to even say love, let alone have a conversation about it. So I applaud you. I appreciate you. And you are going to do wonderful things. I already see it. You know, when I was little, I realized how loving I was. And I decided back then that the world wasn't a place for vulnerability and loving. And so you know, I reinvented my whole life and did some of the, you know, hit the streets and, yeah. you know, just try to become as hard as possible. But the thing is, is I never could, I never could shake the love in me. You couldn't shake it. Couldn't shake it. And um, a couple of years ago, I decided that I can't avoid myself. So I might as well just let the world see me for who I am. Wow. That's beautiful. That I felt that that is beautiful. I'm serious because, you know, men have a tendency to not do that. And I know it's, you know, the rearing and all of that, you know, all that machos, all of that, you know, but I'm just grateful that you were able to shed that and let that go and reinvent yourself and accept that I'm a gentle, loving man with a gentle spirit. And a heart of gold. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. You get to the point where you don't fit in, so you're like, I ain't even going to try to fit in. <laughs> Might as well create my own, right? Create my own, yep. That's it. That's it. That's what we had to do. We had to create our own world. You know, wow. And thank you, Tracy. It's been a blessing. Thank you so much. I look forward to growing with you in the groups. Me too, and you. Enjoy the rest of your evening. You also. Bye, Tracy. Bye-bye. Conversations with Love with Eric Sean.